Which came first, the flower or the bee? Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark, and this episode was written by Joe Horn. I went to school at a formerly magnificent small liberal arts college in the heart of rural Maine. Returning after a summer of internships and adventures, I always felt a sense of rhythm and peace in my studies, my friends, and the slow, timeless transition from summer to fall. These days were marked with heat which had our classroom windows wide open amid the swelter, then eventually fading into crimson maple leaves, the honking of geese and goose calls, the heady fragrance of apples, the hubbub of fairs and the calm when they disperse, corn mazes and besweatered students attending classes outside and a final, rather terminal frost marking the chaotic race to the end of the fall semester. The colors of the leaves, the flowers, and the old fields were like a painting, or a dream, or a memory. In some place in time, they were there, or were they ever? Either way, the magnificence of an old field of tawny grasses, orchestrated with the syncopated rhythms of yellow goldenrods and purple asters and a crescendo of species can't be overstated. It is bucolic perfection, like a hunter describing the meditation they feel on the hunt, or the forager describing the thrill of the hunt for a mushroom. Like a college hand-hewn out of a chicken barn, only to have its fields laid barren to return to goldenrod and aster, to return to forest and forgotten. It is a confluence, and it is the natural succession of order to chaos, or perhaps chaos to perfection. It's a New England aster sitting where a cow once was, where a stump once rotted, where a tree once stood, where an enterprising would-be farmer swung an axe. New England aster is a member of the Asteraceae, or sunflower family. This is the single largest plant family on the planet, accounting for over 26,000 species and counting. Among plants called asters in our state alone, we have a plethora of species seemingly in triplicate for every habitat you can think of though mostly occupying colors of whites, pinks, blues, and purples. New England aster, or Symphiotrichum novi angliae for the botanists among us, is one such species that blooms from now until we get some solid bouts of killing frosts in October or November. The flowers of New England asters are rather unique, if not somewhat plain, when glanced at with an unknowing eye. The flowers appear to look very similar to that of a sunflower, though much smaller, purple, with a yellow center, and many more petals or what appear to be petals, at first glance. While this appears to be a single flower, it is not, but rather a collection of flowers arranged on a single petiole. This one flower is actually several that fit neatly into two categories, ray flowers and disc flowers. The ray flowers are what most folks might consider the flower petals. They tend to be colorful, showy, and frame the outside of the bunch. The disc flowers form the center and are generally much more plain in appearance. Each one of these individual flowers, if properly pollinated, will develop into a single fruit with a single seed. If you don't live near an old field, you needn't fret. New England aster is so strongly appreciated by folks that many plant nurseries carry them for purchase, especially those specializing in native landscape plants. As an early successional species, once there is a sizable disturbance on a native forest, This plant has the vigor to keep up with all the large grasses, berry canes, goldenrods, and milkweeds that it tends to grow up with. New England asters can grow upwards of six feet tall and tend to spread over time to form a dense patch. All wonderful aspects of a native plant, in my humble opinion. Now, before they flower, asters and goldenrods can be a bit confusing to differentiate. Both are in the Asteraceae family and look somewhat similar, with elongated leaves on a tough, herbaceous stem, but I figured out a handy way to tell them apart. 
In my field botanist days, I got into the habit of crushing and smelling a leaf of just about every plant I came across to try to divine some shortcuts to speciating them. This was quite handy and did help a great deal, especially for that somewhat pale green plant that liked dark mossy woods that smelled uncannily like a gin and tonic. The wild and pungent mints, and those resinous spruces and firs. But another group that always smelled the same was goldenrods, which had a smell reminiscent of carrot tops, a smell that the asters did not share. So this weekend, whether you are preparing for a new semester or reminiscing about semesters past, be on the lookout in old fields and unkempt roadsides for the stunning purple flowers of a New England aster. You can download this episode and find a link to the transcript, photos, information about podcasting, and more by visiting archives.weru.org. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of food.